0: Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. As you've already heard, we're in 21 days of prayer. This is day seven. Um, We have resources out in the lobby. They're free. This is a prayer guide uh, written by a pastor named Chris Hodges, uh, Church of the Highlands, and we've been using it for many years. It's free to you if you want to grab that. If you're new to prayer or if your prayer's life is kind of struggling, I think if you will just pick this up and work through some of these prayers, you'll find that it's amazing. And the other thing I got to tell you, is we have these prayer request cards, and every other day except Sunday, they're lined from side to side all the way across this, just one out there, maybe 70, 80, I don't know how many there are. And every day, there are many, many people coming into this room, and they're picking these prayer request cards up, and there's people praying for your request. So if you want to do that, they're out in the lobby. There's uh, some drop boxes out there that you can put them in. You can give them to an usher or to one of our team members, and they'll make sure it gets in the right place. But we want to pray with you. We believe in prayer. We believe prayer matters. Amen, somebody. It matters uh, for a lot of reasons. So we're starting this brand new series today that we're calling The Good Shepherd. And it's over the next few weeks, we're going to go through this most famous of psalms, probably the most famous portion of Scripture in all of the Bible, Psalm 23, so that if you're not a Christian, uh, if you're not a believer You've heard this psalm somewhere at a funeral. You've heard it somewhere in a song. And we're going to look at John 10 as well, which is a kind of parallel um, to this text. And, and I'm hoping, my prayer is, that over the next couple of weeks, you'll begin to see God maybe in a whole new way, a fresh way uh, than perhaps you've seen before. A few weeks ago, as part of a, a sabbatical that I took, um, just just needing some time to get away, I, I, went to, I flew to Denver um, and then I went, I drove up to a little town nearby called Boulder, Colorado. Uh, anybody ever been to Boulder, Colorado? Okay, a couple of you have. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. I had never been. I'd been to Denver many times, been in that area many times, but never Boulder. And I had some friends that were going to join us, some pastors, and we were going to just kind of retreat together and pray together and think together and, and eat. Come on, can I get an amen? We are going to eat together and laugh together, and it was going to be fun. But, but I wanted to go a few days early um, just to be out in nature. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I love outside uh, I know I don't look like I do, but I honestly do. I love to eat out there. Can, can I get an amen? Like, hey, I'm outside. I might as well have a burrito and some asada and tacos and some Big Red. Come on, amen? Big Red, it's going to be at the marriage, a snack of God. I believe that in heaven there's going to be goblets of Big Red waiting for us in crystal glasses that were frozen ahead of time, so it just develops a thin layer of ice on top. Anybody want to leave now and go get one? Stay here for a minute. So, um, first day, uh, I got a couple of videos and pictures I want to show you. This is where I started. This waterfall doesn't look very big, but if you look in the left-hand corner, you'll see a tiny little person down there. It was a pretty good w- waterfall, and it, you can't hear how loud it was, but it was really, really loud, and so I hung out there for a few minutes, and then just go on to the next place. Um, I, I went down to the river, and, and then I went keep, keep going, and there were some more rapids, and and, and I thought it would be quiet here, and then I ended up here, uh, in this place. This is just a still picture. But if you'll notice this tree in this picture, how large it is, how many of you guys know we don't have large trees like they do there? And this one, I think, was large as it was because of its proximity to water. Um, the trees that were further back, they were the same kind. They weren't as big as this one, and there were several this big, So I sat there with my Bible. Uh, It was actually on my phone, and I had a journal, and I began to write about the quiet waters. One more time, just that picture there. The water was much quieter here. And I was reminded of Psalm 23. He leads me beside the quiet waters. And I began to reflect on the psalm. I read it. I began to reflect on the psalm, and I realized, you know what, I'm supposed to talk about this. So as soon as we get through the series, we are, I, I know normally in August I do a very different kind of series uh, than this one, but I just felt like, and you know, it could be that this, psalm, this, this series is just for me, <laughs> and you have to listen to it. Um, it, it could be that, um, but I have a feeling that some of you are going to see um, your Savior in a whole new way. So I begin to imagine, and I referenced this a little bit last week, I begin to imagine when I think about God, what when I close my eyes, what do I see? What do I see? When I, when I was growing up, I would have told you I saw God uh, as scary, honestly. Um, by the way I interpreted what had been taught to me, I'm not necessarily blaming anybody, I'm just saying by the way I interpreted what had been taught to me um, from the scriptures, I saw God as mostly just mad at me. I was afraid of him, not in a fear and reverent way, but just like, oh, he's going to lightning bolt me. Uh, Anybody witness to this? Two of you do. Okay. Um, So me and you will have a small group later and recover from that. Uh, All right. Um, but, But in this moment, in this season, I saw him clearly as a shepherd. I saw him with the rod in his hand, which is a defensive weapon, and I saw him with the, with the staff, which is a guiding uh, instrument, to, to re, has a hook, and it, you rescue the sheep, and I, I saw him as the good shepherd, and that's why this psalm uh, brought new life, and I think it's an important exercise for you and me to think about what comes into our minds when we think about who God is. Like, what's the metaphor that you come up with? Uh, A.W. Tozer, this famous um, philosopher, writer, pastor, he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most most important thing about us. And that's an interesting thing, and I had to reflect on that. Um, but, but, it, but, it's, it, but it gives us an idea into who God is and who we see ourselves in light of who God is. That there's really only one way to come to know God, and that's through His Word and through time alone with him. So so Psalm 23 and 1. This is the only verse that I really want to I'm going to get to 4 a little bit, but just as the one I want to unpack today. Would you say this with me? The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I love the way the King James says it. I shall not want. And we're going to get into that next week, but today we're going to talk about this part. The Lord is my shepherd. I want to spend the first Part of this message series on the fact that the Lord is my shepherd, and I want to help those of you at home, those of you who are going to watch this or listen to this later on, and there's about 20 countries that people tune into um, on our podcast in particular, wherever you're at, those of you in this room, I want you to come to want to call him your good shepherd. This is a psalm of David who, at the time of the writing, was most likely already the king of Israel, but David did not grow up in a royal household. If you know his story, he starts out uh, the youngest of a bunch of boys. He is now sent to the fields to be a shepherd. And this is um, this we've romanticized this through the scriptures a little bit, but in ancient times, this was not a job to be had, right? This is the kind of job, those of you who know uh, Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, this would have showed. Anybody know Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, right? This one would have been there. Is be, it'd be like, I'm going to make a show about how nasty and how uh, uh, unhealthy this job is, because you could be attacked. David killed a lion and a bear while guiding sheep. Can I get an amen on that? Nobody wants to deal with that. Nope. Ain't nobody got time for that. I don't know why I said it like that, but I I like it. (laughs) So here he is all these years later, and and I, I think he's probably facing a crisis, probably dealing with some fear about what's in his path. And fear is not always about what's directly in front of us. It's about the stuff that we don't know, but we're worried about that might come. Yes or no? It's like, okay, here's this thing again, but what's going to happen next week, next month, next year? That's what keeps us up at night. And so he writes this psalm, and this psalm shows up in a category called psalms of confidence. He he writes this psalm as a kind of shelter uh, to run to, and I realize that this psalm has been the very final words that millions of dying people have heard throughout the centuries, particularly in times of war. I know... It's been spoken in uh, 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 thousands of hospital rooms at the end of life and, and millions of funerals. It's words that are very comforting in that context, but this is not actually why David wrote it. You can use it that way, but that's not why he wrote it. This is a psalm for David to, to inspire and to raise up the confidence that he has in the Lord his God. It is David It is David in a time of fear and uncertainty Preaching to his own self about the goodness, about the strengths, about the qualities of God. David reminding himself of the character and the nature of the God he worships, trying to stir up within himself confidence perhaps in a season of trouble and he writes this and now I think it's an invitation the psalm is for us to bring all of our fears and all of our struggles and all of our concerns to the text so that we also can regain a foothold and a a position of confidence and, and trust in God so David as he's thinking about who God is to him as he's reminding himself why he can trust God, he says, the Lord, and, and we don't have it written here, but in your Bible, it'll be all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps, Yahweh, right? The everlasting, ever-living God of Jehovah God is my Shepherd, and the emphasis on the word my is critical not just for David but for me and you. It's so important because it becomes more than just a statement about God, it becomes a very personal statement about God. And we are meant to know Him as shepherd in such a way that it is deeply personal. With him, in other psalms we find the same idea. Psalm sixteen five, the Lord is my portion. The, Psalm eighteen two, the Lord is my rock. And Psalm twenty seven one, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm twenty eight seven, the Lord is my strength and my shield. And Shepherd is just one of those names of God that we can find shelter in. And one of the ways that we can see him. And for me personally, right now in this season, it's the way I see him clearest. And so he begins to describe the love of God and the passion of God to to take care of him, to take care of you and I. But even David, as a king, realizes this fact that if the Lord is my shepherd, then I am a sheep. And come on, somebody. Ain't nobody got time to be a sheep either. Can I get an amen? Like if you go and they, you go to a job where they got weird questions they ask you on the interview, like what kind of animal do you most re- recognize yourself as? You're like, it's like a bear or a lion. Or like for me, it's like an elephant. You can just eat as much as you want and nobody makes fun of you because if they do, you're big. And big is awesome if you're an elephant. The bigger you are, the better you are. So that, like I'm going for that, right? Nobody's like, yeah, I feel like I'm a real sheep. (laughs) Why are sheep so bad, right? The clothes you're wearing came from a sheep, right? Maybe some of you had lamb chops last night. They were delicious. It's the problem. You eat sheep, right? Nobody wants to be a sheep. Um, But listen to me. Listen to me. God cannot be your shepherd if you don't first see yourself as his sheep. All of the qualities that we're going to learn are not true for you if you cannot recognize and relate to a sheep. The psalm doesn't connect to people who would think of themselves as, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I'm the master of my domain. I'm in control. No, it relates to the people Jesus was talking to in Matthew 5 where he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Those who realize their need for a God, for a Savior, for a shepherd to lead and to guide and to protect and to provide. Those who recognize that there are moments and seasons in life that are just straight up bigger than me and I've got no control and I've got no handle on this. This is the psalm for you, if that's you. If you're self-sufficient and I got it all together, maybe tune out for the next little while and dream about the carrizada you'll have later on. The Lord is... My shepherd. Like I am for me, I'm going to declare in front of you that He is my shepherd. And it's important, I think, for you and I to declare this heart and mind, not just with words, but in actions where we are daily saying, I'm dependent upon You. And there are all, the reason this is important is, is that there are all sorts of competing voices in this world trying to become Your shepherd trying to lead you, trying to guide you today. It's interesting to me that when I hear people say about others, and it's generally people who disagree with them politically, they'll say, oh, well, those people are just sheep. Come on, you've heard these people say this, right? You probably said it yourself, don't admit it, because it's meant to denigrate on some level, meaning they're not very bright, they're just followers, they don't have their own mind or or whatever. But in fact, we are all sheep because everyone Everyone is following someone else's voice to one degree or another. Not me, Danny, bro. I'm, I'm a rogue. Nah, you're just following rogue shepherds, right? And everybody has vo- follows voices in the world, and yours may be some kind of particular news channel or a talk show host or a blogger. It, it could be Oprah. It could be some celebrity. It could be a preacher. But everyone follows voices, yes or no. Yeah, some of you are like, "Nah, still not going to do it. You're just the kind of person who follows the kind of people who won't admit to anything." All right? <laughs> there are so many shepherds leading and there are so many sheep following, and it's why we have chaos and division and pain and turmoil in our country right now. There are many shepherds in the world today, and you need to know that, but there's only one who is good. Shepherd, there's only one voice worth following, and Jesus says in John 10 this kind of parallel text. He says, "I am the good shepherd," and here's why: the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, this "I am" statement here is one of seven uh, uh, in John's gospel that that John records Jesus making about himself. And what Jesus is doing in, in, in this text and in every one of these I am statements is, is he is identifying himself as the great... I am of the Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament name of God that he revealed to Moses. So when Jesus applies the title I am to himself, he's claiming to be God, make no mistake. He's claiming, and this particular text, he's talking to the Pharisees, this religious group who don't believe in him, but he's claiming to be God, not a helper to God, not a a great teacher or a really good man, but the divine, preexistent, eternal, infinite, infinite, perfect being he is Israel's God and he is greater than Moses he claims because he is the God of Moses can I get an amen somebody he is, he has life in himself and he gives life to us and in John chapter 8 when Jesus makes one of his I am declarations the Jews realize what he's doing they pick up stones and they try to kill him because they're not happy ain't nobody got time for that either you know what I'm saying there's let's just say this: nobody got time for anything today all right let's just go right there Sometimes I get stuck and I can't stop saying things. My wife will tell you this is true. Right? And the fact that he says, I'm the good shepherd, implies that there are others, shepherds that are not good. He doesn't just imply it, but in John 10:1, he says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, this is who he's talking to. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, and by the way, he's going to call himself not only the shepherd, but he's also going to call him the gate here in the same text. So he's talking about himself here. Anybody who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, by me, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Like that's serious business here. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he's, he's saying, by saying I'm the good shepherd, what he's really saying is you're the bad shepherds. That's what he's saying here. That they, you guys should be the ones who are pointing to me, the Messiah. You guys should be leading the people. You guys should put in, be putting the people ahead of yourselves. You should have been serving God's agenda rather than your own, but they weren't. In fact, if you go back all the way to the Old Testament books of Ezekiel chapter 34 and Jeremiah 23, you find this indictment against the shepherds that were leading people in the wrong way. And now he's tying them and he's, and he's calling them thieves and robbers. He's actually lumping them in with Satan, who he calls a thief later on in verse 10. He's saying, you're just like him with what you're doing here. You, you guys, I got to tell you this. I think you know it, but you, you and I, we have an enemy, a spiritual enemy. If you are following Jesus, you have a spiritual enemy whose name is Satan, Lucifer, the devil, right? You're like, ah, that's a fictitious thing. No, it is not. Jesus himself is talking about it right here. Either he's lying or he's the truth, the way, and the life. That's the, that's the two options, Right? He, he, so, Satan's the prince of darkness, and here's the truth about him he hates God, and he hates God's people. And it is his mission to steal kill and destroy everything that matters to the heart of God and you have to admit, come on like you don't even have to believe in Jesus but you have to admit there is power there's evil in our world today that is destroying a lot of things that matter to God. A lot of people right now are sick. A lot of families are in trouble and are falling apart. A lot of people are being uh, treated unjustly. A lot of marriages are in trouble. A lot of kids are wandering off the right path. There are entire nations that are failing and and I believe at the root of it is there, there is a thief and a robber who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. In fact, Jesus says in, 10, in, in chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to, like it's his only mission, to steal and kill and destroy and that's what we see right now in our world today is the result of the thief who has come to steal and kill and destroy. There's so much pain, so much hurt, so much division. And this is the fruit of the thief, of the many shepherds who are not leading us beside still waters into green pastures. And this is why you and I, more than ever before, we need a good shepherd. One day, Jesus comes up on some large crowds, and this is in Matthew 9, and when he sees them, here's his response. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. The result of not having a good shepherd in your life not that he keeps you from all harm and keeps you from all trouble, it's that he steers you and guides you through it in a way that people who don't have him, they end up harassed, they end up helpless because there is a shepherd in their life, it's just not the good shepherd. They're like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus says in John 10, the the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. I just want to pause there. I have come. I'm not a God who is far off. I'm not a God who just has compassion and sees you and goes, man, I hope they get through that. I hope they can figure out a way through the dark valley. No, 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 no. I have come that they may have life and have it to the fool. If you want to know who Jesus is, if when you close your eyes, you want to picture him, you picture him as someone who will not watch you struggle from afar, but he has come to give you hope and life to the fool. So back to the Psalm, the Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. And I think when you read through the psalm. I'm gonna, I know you've read the psalm. I know that maybe you don't, you've never read anything else in there, but you've read this psalm, right? I think when you read the psalm, um, I want you to notice something unusual about this psalm amongst other psalms is that there are no requests. There is no plea. There are no ask. He's not asking for anything. In fact, it's like he's on a journey somewhere. He makes a declaration. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing, I shall not want, he leads me to green pastures, but I got to have something to drink after I eat, so he leads me down to the quiet waters, because sheep don't eat, drink loud water, they don't, they don't like rapid water, they won't drink there, right, because you choke in rapid water, can I get a witness, you ever try to drink from a waterfall, it ain't good, all right, it it ain't good, you're going to drown, all right, so he leads them beside the quiet water. He, he, he leads them through the right paths, through paths. of. It's a journey that he's describing. First, I, he's my shepherd, and now he's going to make sure I lack nothing. And so he wants me to lack nothing, so he's going to lead me so that I never lack the things that I ultimately need. And it's a journey, but I think all of the journey is leading us to the big idea, which is in verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And here's the big truth, for you are with me. Now I want you to notice when you read this psalm, it's he leads me, he guides me, he's taking me here. It's all these he's and and, and, and it's very, he goes from talking about God in verse 4, he goes to start talking to his shepherd. See, it's one thing to know something about God. It's it's another thing to have a relationship with God so that you can talk to him. And and he stops with the the, the impersonal pronouns and now he's using words like you and your. In other words, David says, I'm in a dark place. Most likely he is. But I'm not alone in this valley. and, And oh, by the way, neither are you because God gets personal when your valley gets dark. See, it's easy to forget about God when you're in the middle of all of your blessings. It's easy to go, probably he had something to do with this, but so did I. But when the lights turn out, when the pain gets real, this is where he becomes your personal savior. For you are with me. The shepherd leads and guides me through all the ups and downs of life. No matter how dark it seems, I have Come, Jesus says, for you are with me, David says, so that if your marriage is hanging by a thread right now, God is close. If you're struggling with a disease that is sucking the life out of you, and I know something about this personally, God is not distant. He is not far Away if there's infertility or dementia or chemo in your life or in your story so that you feel abandoned in that, you are not alone. This is a psalm of confidence. This is a psalm of declaration. This is a song of remembrance that even when it seems I'm alone here in this, I am not alone. Because I can look back on my history and I can remember where God has brought me from, so that even if I can't see him right now, I know that he will never leave me or forsake me because the good shepherd doesn't just send me to the valley, he walks before me through it. I know that it's easy for me to say that right now because I'm not necessarily going through what you're going through, but I have been in some dark valleys, I promise you. And I have wondered in those valleys and the darkness and the pain and the confusion and the anger about, I've wondered about the nearness of God as some of you are right now. And why do you think David's writing this at all? Because he has also felt that. In fact, he's probably feeling it as he's writing. It. It's probably why he's writing this. And he's writing this to himself, even though I walk or even as I walk through these dark places, is especially when I do, you are with me. There's this other place that Psalm 34 says, the Lord is close to what? And he, what? Saves those who are crushed in spirit. It's, it's his nature as the good shepherd to want to be with us when we are going through the darkest seasons of our lives. The Old Testament prophets said that he would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when he shows up in Bethlehem as a tiny baby, it's during a season of intense darkness where they don't know. They haven't heard of the voices of the prophets for 400 years. Nobody's been talking to them. And he shows up in their darkest seasons. And I love that because that's his nature, to want to be with us, especially when we don't think he's anywhere around. And the thing about God is that he does not just send us to the dark valley and say, I hope you make it through. And if you do, I'll meet you there on the other side. No, he goes with us every step of the way. I'll be there. That's the promise of scripture. And when you think about the psalm as a journey, he, he takes me to green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters. He guides me along the right paths or the paths of, of righteousness. But then he also, David says, he's also responsible for leading me through the valley of darkness. But he doesn't leave us there. And if you think of it as a journey... When you come through the other side, and you do come through the other side, at the other side, there is a banquet prepared for you by God himself, and even when you're still close to the edge of the darkness, he says, even in the presence of your enemies, God has prepared for you a banquet, a celebration. On the other side of the darkness, there's a table with your name on it that he set up there for you. It's a journey all the way through. And because he's with you, you can close your eyes at night and know that he's watching every side. He goes before you, and he's behind you, and he's beside you. In fact, he sees your circumstances coming before you, and he's preparing you all along. Man, that was a tough little season I went through. That was another tough little stretch I went through. I had a good season here. There was another tough stretch. Prepare, 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 because here's a big stretch coming. And he's going to go through it with you. In fact, John 10 again, back to verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, the sheep. And the sheep listens to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by what? He knows your name. In fact, maybe he inspired your name. And look, and, and then he leads them where? Out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on a head of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice so like my wife Rachel's right over here wave at us babe if you guys don't know that's my wife right there she's I know that she's better looking than me I everybody has to tell me this all the time I realize it all right everybody I get it I'm grateful she was blind love is blind and I'm praising God for that right now I know, okay, I just want to get it out of the way. I realize if you put, if you blindfolded me and led me into a room with 50 women all talking at once and it's not hard for to imagine that. Can I get an amen, somebody? <laughs> kidding, ladies, I'm kidding. We love you. None of us would be here without you. We realize that as well, right? 50 women talking, I will hear Rachel's voice and pick it out from amongst the 50 every single time. Do you know Why? I have spent so much time with her over these last 23 and a half years of marriage plus some dating time. Can I get a witness for dating? Talking through so much of life with her, I know her voice. She knows my voice and it is possible to be the kind of sheep that knows Jesus' voice, the good shepherd's voice so much that when he talks in the myriad of the chaos and the, and the cacophony of noises that exist in this world, where it seems like I can't know it is possible to pick his still small voice out amongst all the noise. He calls us by name, he's not impersonal. He's not far away, and look, he leads us out, and some translation says he goes before us. I love that. He calls us out, and then he goes before us, and this is why this is great news. In verse 10, he says there's a thief and a robber who's come to steal and kill and destroy. In verse 12, he says there's a wolf that comes to scatter and grab the sheep, so there's real danger in our world today, and we've seen that, but when we go out into it, he's leading us out, and we're not going to come out until he calls us himself by name. He's not calling us out into some unknown world where he's going to leave us hanging. He's going to lead us out. He's going to it's safe for you, Danny. come on out now. Whatever's coming at you, I've got a rod, and I've got a, I've got a staff. and trust me, I know how to use these things. This is the picture that we're getting here from David. No matter what the, the pathway is, God is one step ahead. No matter what mountain is facing us, he's already started to climb it. He knows the best way up, right? No matter what journey of uncertainty we encounter, God is a hundred steps further. He's laying out our path, and he's preparing our steps, and the Bible says that the, the steps of a righteous man are all ordered by God himself, all of them. He sees our way; that we are always right next to the goodness and the mercy of God. A couple of verses, just to nail this down, this truth down for you. Here's Deuteronomy thirty-one, eight. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. Do not be fear. Do not fear or be dismayed. Can I get an amen? The Lord, Deuteronomy one, thirty. The Lord your God who goes before you will Himself fight on your behalf Psalm 139 5 you go before me and what do you do and you follow me I don't know how he does it he just does you place your hand of blessing on my hand. He goes before me, and he's behind me. He's out running ahead to make sure I can handle everything that is coming, but he's not leaving my back exposed. In fact, he's so awesome, Psalm ninety-one eleven says that he's actually given his angels charge over me, that they're there to make sure I don't trip, that I don't fall, that I don't stumble. Some of you get creeped out by that. You don't have to see him. Can I get an amen? He, they're just there, right? I gotta finish. Come to the music so everybody will feel like I'm about to quit. <laughs> the piano used to be over there, and that's why I said come there, but that would be the drums, that would just be loud and obnoxious. <laughs> Verse 11 again. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Think about that. What kind of shepherd? would lay down his life for sheep. Because like if I'm the shepherd of the sheep, they're going to die. Yes or no? The wolf comes. Bro, go ahead. I, I ain't got nothing. We, have, we, have, we had 10 ducks. Somebody, uh, Pastor Andy, I'm not going to throw him under the bus, but Pastor Andy made, brought us ducks while I was out of town. And we raised them to adulthood. Hannah was very responsible for that. She's their mother. And, um, but we did not lay down our lives for them because last week we went from ten to five in one night. There with Jesus, because um, they had no duck shepherd. What kind of sheep? What kind of shepherd would lay down his life for a sheep? What would motivate a shepherd to do such a thing? Well, John has already answered this in an earlier verse when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for whoever? Is that what it says? Whoever believes in him shall not perish. They will not be lost. The wolf, the thief, the robber, they will not have a chance. But they will have everlasting or eternal life. Only love could make a shepherd lay down his own life or his own sheep. God didn't just love, but he so loved. To the point that his single mission was to seek and save those who were in danger of perishing. Whoever. You're going to give your life for a whoever? Come on, it'd be like if I went out and bought the nicest car I found. I got a brother-in-law who is the general sales manager at Porsche. And he comes up with some sweet rides. It'd be like, hey, man, I'm going to buy this. And I'm just going to put it out in front of the church and put a sticker on it that says, whoever. Whoever. Ain't nobody got time for that either. Can I get a witness? John three sixteen could say God was so focused, so obsessed with saving a jacked up world filled with bad people because while we were still sinners, Romans 8 says, Christ died for us, that he put on skin and bone and came to earth and died. Listen, it gets even more insane for whoever, whoever wants it. Come and get it. The good shepherd loves people so much, even bad people, that he gave his son on the premise of a whoever. Whenever, however, wherever. John says, first John says, what manner of love is this? That we should be called the children of God. And John says, and that is what we are. The good shepherd lays down his life. This is why you want to follow him. This is why you want to trust me on this. This is why you want to trust David on this. In fact, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. But look at this. Not counting people's sins against them. God so loved this world that he decided I'm going to come in their stead and I'm not going to count their sins against them. In fact, I'm going to die and pay the price for all of them. Who wouldn't want to follow a shepherd like that? And when I put the New Testament together and I reflect on the God that I see in my mind, I see a God who loves humanity so much that he will go to any extreme even the death of a cross to save us. That is, nature doesn't look for ways to banish people, for ways to catch people and to punish them. So so that through no merit of our own, by his grace, by his love, and through his death on the cross, we can be restored to right relationship with God because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And it doesn't depend on yours and mine qualifications to work. We are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. And he loves us so much that he was willing to lay down his life for us. And his love is untethered. Meaning, you don't have to be already in the pen to feel his love. That his love is not bound to a church building. Those of you watching online. His love will reach to the ends of the earth to find you. In fact, the parable that Jesus gives says that the shepherd will leave the 99 to go out looking for the one who got lost. That's the character, and the nature of the good shepherd. In fact, maybe the whole reason that you're here or the whole reason that you're tuning in today is to hear that you are the one God is looking for. The good shepherd is for you. He is out looking for you. Can we get an amen, all the people? Amen. Can we pray, Lord, thank you so very much. For your goodness, for your mercies, for your grace, for your word. Thank you that David was inspired by your spirit to write these incredible words. And as we unpack them over the next few weeks, may they be illuminated like never before. May they they lead us and guide us through our seasons. Lord, over the last week, we had cards all across this thing, maybe 70 or 80 cards, and God, as I've been praying for these cards, and as we've been praying, we've talked about our team, our staff has been talking about how we've read some heartbreaking things, just heartbreaking rending things of people who are desperate for work or desperate for their kids to be saved or desperate for their marriage to, to be restored or desperate, we've read people who are sick and who have cancer and whose kids have cancer. And God, is just breaking our hearts. And I know that it breaks your heart, but we are here today. God, some of us walking through the valley, the dark valley, some of us walking through the literal valley of the shadow of death. And I pray that people are comforted with your words. That you are with us. That you are not God far off, but you are God with us. And you are God for us. And you are God who saves us. And you are the shelter that we run into. And your name is is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe, the Psalms say. And I pray, God, that everyone in this room who's hurting or who's broken or who's lonely or who's sick or who's afraid or who feels lost will find shelter and refuge in the arm of God. That, that those of us who feel like I'm the one who's lost, that we will just in this space, in this moment, realize that you died on a cross for us, that you paid the price for us so that we can put our hope and our confidence and our trust in you. We can confess you, Romans 10 says, we can confess you with our mouth as Lord and we can believe in our heart that, that God raised you from the dead. And we can be saved and we can find shelter. And I pray for strength and goodness and mercy to begin to follow. Surely love and mercy and peace and kindness will follow these people today, I pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give God one more hand clap? Amen.